Good evening. For those of you that do not know me, my name is Sean Clothier, and I will be delivering the message tonight. I want to take this opportunity to thank the elders for giving me the privilege and honor to speaking to you from God's Word. I'll tell you now, we're not going to have another Father's Day lesson. However, I do want to pay homage to fathers and this day. And to me, there's no no other fitting nor significant way that I can honor fathers and Father's Day other than dad jokes. So I have an assortment of dad jokes that I want to, to tell you right now. I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. A father declared to his family, I am afraid for the calendar. I think its days are numbered. Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? In case they get a hole in one. And finally... Why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself? It was too tired. That was a true homage to Father's and Father's Day. With that, we'll get into our lesson this evening. If I say the word prophet, what comes to mind? Maybe Isaiah... Jeremiah, maybe one of the minor prophets. My mind goes immediately to John the Baptist, and I picture this wild-haired, bearded man. I really want to know what camel's hair looks like as a garment. I I can't really picture it, but it's got to be wild, and it's got to be like a big leather belt. And there's probably honey dripping from his, and maybe a bit of locust stuck in his beard. Or maybe, maybe you picture, maybe you think of your 401k and profit, or maybe lack of profit these days. Either one is accurate, though, for our lesson. My lesson this, this evening is entitled, Be a Prophet by Being a Prophet. Be a Prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T. I got to look at this because I'm going to misspell it. By Being a Prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T. Sorry, P-H-E-T. I-T versus E-T, right? Be a prophet by being a prophet. We want to talk about that concept of a prophet tonight and how we can be one in this day and age. First, what is a prophet? Well, I want to illustrate that by going back to Exodus, Exodus 19. Last year we talked about, and we went through the Ten Commandments, I think that was last year, and and kind of looked at this passage um, in Exodus 19. God is preparing the Israelites um, to give the Israelites the Ten Commandments. And in Exodus 19, verse 15, it says, He said to the people, be ready for on the third day. And he's, he's getting them ready. Something big is going to happen on the third day. Then Exodus 19, verse 16 says, So it came about on the third day when it was morning, 
that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And, I mean, you have to picture, you have to picture thunder and lightning. And the one that always gets me is that trumpet, that trumpet sound. And I can just envision that. I I, I always think about um, if you ever saw Red Dawn, the the movie from from the eighties, I always think about um, if you ever saw that movie. The you know it's this futuristic or or uh, you know a, a scenario that's played out on the screen where where we're invaded by communists from the south and they come up and they end up in Colorado um, as far north as Colorado and they take some of the town leaders. And they put them in their re-education camp. And they've just got, you know, this, this film and this message that's blaring. And you just kind of get the sense that they're just trying to break them down. And I, I hear that and I think about that trumpet sound, that just that sound of that loud trumpet coming through. And I can just imagine that coupled with the lightning and the thunder and the... That's had to be a pretty awesome experience. A pretty terrifying experience. And so what does God proceed to do? He gives them the Ten Commandments, doesn't he? He gives them the Ten Commandments. And then in Exodus 20, at verse, because 1 through 3, he says, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other God before me. So he proceeds. He gives them the Ten Commandments. And they're standing there in his presence and his booming voice, I'm sure. And they, they receive them. And then in verse 18, verse 18 says, All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. And keep in mind... Go back a little ways in their history here. What had they just gone through? What did the Israelites, not, not, not this day when they're receiving the Ten Commandments, but what had they just gone through with Egypt? God brought them out of Egypt and they saw God's power. They saw God completely decimate the Egyptians. I mean, he brought them down from a spiritual standpoint, because he completely decimated their, their gods, all 10 of their gods, just undermined them completely, showed, them, showed the Egyptians and the Israelites both that they had no power. From a, from a financial standpoint, they were ruined. Their, their cattle, their crops, everything was ruined. From a military standpoint, what happened to their military? Their, their military pursued the Israelites and they get to the Red Sea. What happens? All of their chariots, their horses, their military go into the, go into the Red Sea and they're destroyed. Not one of them survives. Think about their future too. Their future was bleak because what had happened to all the firstborn? The firstborn children, the firstborn sons. They were gone. That's not only their future, but how demoralizing must that be? Every family was touched by that. And so you had to think 
That was also in the back of the, the Israelites' mind. They see this display by God. They, they know God's power. They have seen God's power firsthand. And now it's on display for them personally. And so they're aware of what's going on here, what could happen. And what's their response to it? In verse 19, it says, Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But let not God speak to us, or we will die. And as an aside, when I was a kid, I don't know if you did this, I, I, I thought, why doesn't God just talk to us? Why didn't he just speak to us? Why, why can't I hear him just talk to me? If I could get that to happen, no questions, right? Any, any doubts would be gone. I read this passage and I wonder, maybe that's why. It would be too overwhelming to see the true God, to hear the true God talk to you. But look at what it says. Ultimately, though, the Israelites said, speak to us yourselves. The message came from who from then on? Who did they want the message to come from? They said, you, Moses, you talk to us. So when we talk about a prophet, when we talk about a prophet, at least in the Old Testament, that's someone who's conveying God's message, isn't it? That's someone who's delivering God's message to the people. But what does that look like today? Or maybe more specifically, what does that look like in the New Testament? 1 Corinthians 14.37 says, If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. Then again, in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, says, Since we have gifts that differ accordingly to the grace given to us, each is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. I wanted to point those two words out because those two words, if you look at them in the Greek, they mean a foreteller, by analogy, an inspired speaker, by extension, a poet. A foreteller, an inspired speaker. Those are, those are critical when we think about a prophet in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. But we, we recognize here that in the New Testament at least, there were prophets, weren't there? When the church first began. But if we look at 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 says, Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy... They will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, they will be done away. If you skip on down to verse 11, it says, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, and reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. He's talking about the culmination of the scriptures. Prophecy was necessary, 
at least from an inspired standpoint, prophecy was necessary so that the New Christian, New, um, New Testament church had God's word. They had God's message. But he says, when the culmination of that concluded, we didn't need these things anymore. Prophecy, we don't need. Then again, and you, you look at 2 Peter 1, 3, seeing that he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us. There is no more revelation. There is no more new message that we can expect to receive from God. We have it all. We have it all right here. And so if you look at the definition of what a prophet is, the Greek definition, and you look at those passages of scripture, prophets don't exist anymore. At least not from that standpoint. From the standpoint of being divinely inspired by God. It doesn't happen. Those things cease. They're not necessary anymore. But I want you to consider one thing. If you look at Moses, Moses was a prophet. But his role was more than what that Greek definition was. I mean, you looked at it, you look at him and foreteller, okay. But he was more than that. He was a mediator as well. The Israelites go astray. God wants to destroy them and start all over with Moses. What, what does Moses do? He's practically begging God, don't destroy them. Don't destroy them. And he's a communicator of the message. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Moses is a mediator in the same way that Christ is our mediator. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there was more to his role than just a foreteller. He was a communicator of God's message, though. And so, how do we reconcile that concept of a prophet, someone that's communicating that message, being inspired by God, and what we need to get accomplished today because there's a gap there. We don't have prophets today and we're fairly certain, I'm fairly certain that God's not communicating directly to us. If, if anybody is hearing God, we may need to have a conversation afterwards. You may need to have a conversation with some professionals afterwards maybe. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. But I'm pretty certain that God doesn't talk to us directly today. So, so there's a gap because there's still information out there that people need to know, isn't there? In, in John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There is information that people that are lost need to have. But we don't have prophets, and God doesn't talk to them directly. So there's a, there's a gap there that we need to figure out how to, to close. I like how Paul puts it. I like how Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 6. Starting at verse 19 says, And pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me, in the opening of a mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20 says, 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He calls himself an ambassador in chains. He's an ambassador for God. You think about that term. An ambassador is someone who's trying to accomplish. And if you think of it in terms of a, a political sense, if I'm an ambassador for the United States, I'm going to other countries because I want, I want a connection to be made. I want peace between these two, two countries. That's what Paul's calling himself. Another passage of Scripture, it talks about adorning the doctrine of Christ. I like that one as well. In fact, that's probably my favorite, to adorn the doctrine of Christ. As an ambassador, as someone who wants to adorn the doctrine, we're making it attractive, aren't we? We're making it something that, that people want today. So we see that there are, there are no modern-day prophets in the same way that, that Moses was a prophet, but Moses did communicate he did communicate God's message. And we need to be communicating God's message today. So in that sense, that's how we're closing that gap. We're going to be a prophet, but maybe not in that sense, but we are in the sense that we need to be communicating God's message. We need to be speaking to the lost and helping them understand the state that they're in. Romans chapter ten fourteen says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Pretend that that says prophet, okay? His expectation is that we take the place of those prophets in spreading the message. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the end of the age. He sent us to communicate his message to the lost. And the fact is, there are places that you go, there are people that you see and that you have contact with that no other Christian will touch. There are people out there that only you, you're the only source to, to, to truth that they may have. And if you're not speaking, if I'm not speaking to that individual, what's their fate going to be? That's a challenge, isn't it? That's a responsibility that we should have. We should take that very seriously. There are souls in the balance, and God expects me to step up, to step up and to communicate his message. Now, I want to say this, too. I have faith. I have faith that there is, if, if there is a heart anywhere on this planet that is willing to receive God's message, I believe God will get somebody there. I believe that. I truly do. So what does that mean then? If there's a heart out there that is willing to accept God, 
And God will get someone there. God wants me to do it and I decline. Who's really going to lose out there? If I'm not willing to communicate God's message to that lost individual, you know, God will probably send someone else to save that soul. But where does that leave me? We should have a burden on our hearts for this. We should have a desire for the lost. God does. So much so that he sent his son to die on the cross. He paid that price in order to save those souls. We need to be a prophet. We need to be a modern day prophet. I guess my question then is this. So who are you a prophet to today? Or more importantly, who is out there that you're not being a prophet to that you should be? I'll leave you with that. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you and we just thank you so much. We thank you so much that you love us. That you love us before we were worth loving And that you sent your son to die on the cross for us and pay that ultimate price, to pay the price for our sins. And Father, we pray that we would have a love for the lost. And that we would be be willing and ready to go forward and speak truth on your behalf. And to draw others closer to you. And to save, do everything we can to be a part of those souls being saved. Father, bring us just one. Bring us just one heart that is willing to accept your message into our lives that we can teach them and that they can be saved. Father, we love you so much. We just pray that if there are any in here tonight or listening online, that they would, um, if they have struggles in their life, that they would turn away from those sins those challenges, whatever it is, that they would let go of those, put those in your hands. We pray that if there are some that need to put Christ on in baptism, they would make their way here and that they would put Christ on in baptism. Father, we love you so much, and it's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.